Part Two, Chapter Seven of Jezebel's Daughter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Estenson. Jezebel's Daughter by Wilkie Collins, Part Two, Chapter Seven. On further inquiry, it turned out that the gentleman from Munich had no time to spare. In the absence of Mr. Keller, he had asked if he could see one of the other partners. This seemed to imply that commercial interests were in some way connected with the stranger's visit, in which case Mrs. Wagner was perfectly competent to hear what he had to say. "'Where is the gentleman?' she asked. "'In the drawing-room,' Joseph answered. Mrs. Wagner at once left the office. She found herself in the presence of a dignified elderly gentleman, dressed entirely in black, and having the ribbon of some order of merit attached to the buttonhole of his long frock coat. His eyes opened wide in surprise behind his gold spectacles when he found himself face to face with a lady. "'I fear there is some mistake,' he said, in the smoothest of voices, and with the politest of bows. I asked to see one of the partners. Mrs. Wagner added largely to his amusement by informing him of the position that she held in the firm. If you come on a matter of business, she proceeded, you may trust me to understand you, sir, though I am only a woman. If your visit relates to private affairs, I beg to suggest that you should write to Mr. Keller, and I will take care that he receives your letter the moment he returns. "'There's not the least necessity for my troubling you,' the stranger replied. "'I am a physician, and I have been summoned to Frankfurt to consult with my colleagues here on a serious case of illness. Mr. Keller's sister is one of my patients in Munich. I thought I would take the present opportunity of speaking to him about the state of her health.' He had just introduced himself in those words when Mr. Keller entered the room. The merchant and the physician shook hands like old friends. "'No alarming news of my sister, I hope,' said Mr. Keller. "'Only the old trouble, my good friend, another attack of asthma.' Mrs. Wagner rose to leave the room. Mr. Keller stopped her. "'There's not the least necessity for you to leave us,' he said, "'unless my presentments deceive me. "'We may even have occasion to ask your advice. "'Is there any hope, doctor?' of her being well enough to leave Munich towards the end of the month? "'I'm sorry to say it,' answered the physician, having heard of the interesting occasion on which she had engaged to be one of your guests. But, at her age, I must ask for a little more time. In other words, it is impossible for my sister to be with us on the day of my son's marriage?' "'Quite impossible. She has so few pleasures, poor soul, and she is so bitterly disappointed.' that I volunteered to take advantage of my professional errand here to make a very bold request. Let me first do your excellent sister justice. She will not hear of the young people being disappointed by any postponement of the wedding on her account, and here is the famous necklace committed to my care to prove that she is sincere. He took his little travel-bag from the chair on which he had placed it, and produced the case containing the necklace. 
no woman not even a head partner in a great house of business could have looked at those pearls and preserved her composure mrs wagner burst out with a cry of admiration mr keller passed the necklace over without notice his sister was the one object of interest to him would she be fit to travel he asked if we put off the marriage for a month she shall be fit to travel barring accidents said the physician if you can put off the marriage for a fortnight i start this evening on my return to munich and not a day shall pass without my seeing her mr keller appealed to mrs wagner surely we might make this trifling sacrifice he said the pleasure of seeing her nephew married is likely to be the last pleasure of my sister's life in your place said mrs wagner i should not hesitate for an instant to grant the fortnight's delay but the bride and groom must be consulted of course and the bride's parents suggested the discreet physician if they are still living there's only her mother living said mr keller she is too high-minded a person to raise any objection i am sure he paused and reflected for a while fritz counts for nothing he went on i think we ought to put the question in the first instance to the bride he rang the bell and then took the necklace out of mrs wagner's hands i have a very high opinion of little minna he resumed we shall see what the child's own kind heart says undisturbed by the influence of the pearls and without any prompting on the part of her mother he closed the jewel case and put it into a cabinet that stood near him joseph was sent upstairs with the necessary message don't make any mistake said his master i wish to see miss minna alone the physician took a pinch of snuff while they were waiting the test is hardly conclusive he remarked slyly women are always capable of sacrificing themselves what will the bridegroom say my good sir mr keller rejoined a little impatiently i have mentioned already that fritz counts for nothing minna came in her color rose when she found herself unexpectedly in the presence of a dignified and decorated stranger the physician tapped his snuff-box with the air of a man who thoroughly understood young women charming indeed he said confidentially to mrs wagner i am young enough at heart madam to wish i was fritz mr keller advanced to meet minna and took her hand my dear he said what would you think of me if i requested you to put off your marriage for two whole weeks all on account of an old woman i should think you had surely some reason sir for asking me to do that minna replied and i confess i should be curious to know who the old woman was in the fewest and plainest words mr keller repeated what the physician had told him take your own time to think of it he added and consult your mother first if you like minna's sweet face looked lovelier than ever glowing with the heavenly light of true and generous feeling oh mr keller she exclaimed do you really suppose i am cold-hearted enough to want time to think of it 
i am sure i may speak for my mother as well as for myself fräulein keller's time shall be our time please tell her so with my duty or may i be bold enough to say already with my love mr keller kissed her forehead with a fervor of feeling that was rare with him you are well worthy of my sister's bridal gift he said and took the necklace out of the cabinet and gave it to her for some moments minna stood looking at the magnificent pearls in a state of speechless enchantment when she did speak her first delightful ardor of admiration had cooled under the chilling perception of a want of proper harmony between her pearls and herself they are too grand for me she said sadly i ought to be a great lady with a wardrobe full of magnificent dresses to wear such pearls as these she looked at them again with the natural longing of her sex and age may i take the necklace upstairs she asked with the most charming inconsistency and see how it looks when i put them on mr keller smiled and waved his hand you can do what you like with your own necklace my dear he said when i have written a line to my sister perhaps i may follow you and admire my daughter-in-law in all her grandeur the physician looked at his watch if you can write your letter in five minutes he suggested i can take it with me to munich mrs wagner and minna left the room together come and see how it looks said minna i should so like to have your opinion i will follow you directly my dear there is something i have forgotten in the office the events of the day had ended in making jack drowsy he was half asleep on the window-seat mrs wagner effectually roused him mr keeper of the keys she said i want my desk opened jack was on his legs in an instant hum mistress it's jolly to hear you say that it's like being in london again the desk was of the spacious commercial sort with a heavy mahogany lid everything inside was in the most perfect order a row of pigeonholes at the back had their contents specified by printed tickets abstracts of correspondence a to z terms for commission agency key of the iron safe key of the private ledger and so on the ledger a stout volume with a brass lock like a private diary was placed near the pigeonholes on the top of it rested a smaller book of the pocket size entitled private accounts mrs wagner laid both books open before her at the pages containing the most recent entries and compared them i felt sure i had forgotten it she said to herself and transferred an entry in the ledger to the private account book after replacing the ledger she locked the desk and returned the key to jack remember she said the rule in london is the rule here my desk is never to be opened except when i ask you to do it and if you allow the key to pass out of your possession you cease to be the keeper did i ever do either of those two things in london jack asked never then don't be afraid of my doing them here i say you haven't put back the little book 
He produced the key again and put it into the lock, while Mrs. Wagner was occupied in placing her account book in her pocket. Its proper place is not in the desk, she explained. I usually keep it about me. Jack's ready suspicion was excited. Ah, he cried with an outburst of indignation, you won't trust it to me. Take care I don't set a bad conduct mark against you, said Mrs. Wagner. You foolish fellow, the little book is a copy of what is in the big book, and I trust you with the big book. She knew Jack thoroughly well. His irritable dignity was at once appeased when he heard that the biggest of the duplicate books was in his keeping. He took the key out of the lock again. At the same moment, Mr. Keller entered the office. Jack possessed the dog's enviable faculty of distinguishing correctly between the people who are and the people who are not their true friends. Mr. Keller privately disliked the idea of having a person about him who had come out of a madhouse. Jack's instincts warned him to leave a room when Mr. Keller entered it. He left the office now. "'Is it possible that you trust that crazy creature with the key of your desk?' said Mr. Keller. "'Even your bitterest enemy, Mrs. Wagner, would not believe you could be guilty of such an act of rashness.' "'Pardon me, sir. It is you who are guilty of an act of rashness in forming your judgment. Fancy a woman in her senses trusting her keys to a man who was once in Bedlam. Everybody said that of me when I put Jack to the proof in my own house. "'Ah, there are other people, then, who agree with me,' said Mr. Keller. "'There are other people, sir. I say it with all needful respect.' who know no more of the subject than you do. The most certain curative influence that can be exercised over the poor martyrs of the madhouse is to appeal to their self-respect. From first to last, Jack has never been unworthy of the trust that I have placed in him. Do you think my friends owned they had been mistaken? No more than you will own it. Make your mind easy. I will be personally answerable for anything that is lost." while I am rash enough to trust my crazy creature with my key. Mr. Keller's opinion was not in the least shaken. He merely checked any further expression of it in deference to the angry lady. I dare say you know best, he remarked politely. Let me mention the little matter that has brought me here. David Glenny is, no doubt, closely occupied in London. He ought to know at once that the wedding day is deferred. Will you write to him, or shall I? Mrs. Wagner began to recover her temper. I will write with pleasure, Mr. Keller. We have half an hour yet before post-time. I have promised Minna to see how the wonderful necklace looks on her. Will you excuse me for a few minutes? Or will you go upstairs with me? I think you said something about it in the drawing-room. Certainly, said Mr. Keller, if the ladies will let me in. They ascended the stairs together. On the landing, outside the drawing-room, they encountered Fritz and Minna, one out of temper, and the other in tears. "'What's wrong now?' Mr. Keller asked sharply. "'Fritz, what does that sulky face mean?' "'I consider myself very badly used,' Fritz answered. 
I say there's a great want of proper consideration for me in putting off our marriage, and Madame Fontaine agrees with me. Madame Fontaine? He looked at Minna as he repeated the name. Is this really true? Minna trembled at the bare recollection of what had passed. Oh, don't ask me, she pleaded piteously. I can't tell what has come to my mother. She is so changed she frightens me. And as for Fritz, she said, rousing herself, if he is to be a selfish tyrant, I can tell him this. I won't marry him at all. Mr. Keller turned to Fritz and pointed contemptuously down the stairs. Leave us, he said. Fritz opened his lips to protest. Mr. Keller interposed with a protest of his own. One of these days, he went on, you may possibly have a son. You will not find his society agreeable to you when he happens to have made a fool of himself. He pointed down the stairs for the second time. Fritz retired, frowning portentously. His father addressed Minna with marked gentleness of manner. Rest and recover yourself, my child. I will see your mother and set things right. Don't go away by yourself, my dear, Mrs. Wagner added kindly. Come with me to my room. Mr. Keller entered the drawing-room and sent Joseph with another message. Go up to Madame Fontaine and say I wish to see her here immediately. End of chapter 7, part 2, recording by Sandra Estenson.